Alzheimer's Speaks Radio. I'm your host, Lori LeBay, and I'm so excited that you're joining us today. We are going to have a fascinating conversation as usual as we learn from people all around the world at all ages and stages of life. Stay tuned as we shift our dementia care from crisis to comfort. Right, here we go. What you think about Well, hello, everyone, and welcome back to Alzheimer's Speaks Radio. If you enjoyed our opening music, it's called Clarion Call by the Mark Arneson Band and features Maya Dore, and you can download that on any of your favorite platforms. And they are donating proceeds to Alzheimer's Speaks, so we would love for you to get a wonderful, upbeat song and help promote dementia as well. I know many of you are new to Alzheimer's Speaks, so... Just to give you a little background, um, you know, my mom had dementia for 30 years. It was life-changing, and voila, I changed careers. I was in residential real estate for 25 years. Never thought I'd leave, but I thought it was important to connect people to services, products, and tools that they deserve to know about. And so here on our show, we're about sound information, not just sound bites. We want to make sure that you get the real story behind the services that are available to support you out there. And um, all voices are welcomed. We have interviewed many people with dementia, their families, uh, people providing, uh, like I said, services, products, and tools from uh, everything from advocates to movie directors and singers and songwriters to people right on the front line to many um, research uh, programs as well. And today we are a live show, so if you'd like to join us, you can do that by calling in at 323-870-4602. That's 323-870-4602. And of course, I have to thank you, our listeners. We would not be what we are or where we are without your support. Your likes, your clicks, your shares have been um, just absolutely fabulous and have grown our reach significantly. So I hope you continue to take those seconds to just like, click, and share because you are making a difference in people in your own sphere that you don't even know are dealing with dementia. And to me, the only way we're going to win this battle is to build a sense of community, get information out there so it feels normal, so it feels okay to reach out for help. And um, I, I know people are tapping in not only to our radio show, but our blog, our website, our YouTube channel, there are so many different facets and platforms that we have to try to be able to reach people. Now, today we are going to be talking about technology and that is provided by the family care space. But before I interview them, I want to give a shout out to just a few, a few organizations. One is Coro Health, and that's C-O-R-O Health, and they are, during COVID-19, giving away their platforms Music First and Coral Health. So just go to coralhealth.com. You'll see a big thing about 
COVID-19, these are, are again, music and faith-based programs that you can download for free. So it's absolutely um, an amazing, amazing program that can help many. Also, the memory cafes, even though they were in person and a lot of us are still in lockdown or don't feel comfortable going out quite yet, uh, the memory cafe has also put together a uh, directory for virtual cafes that you can join around the world. And it doesn't make any difference where you live. And so just go to memorycafedirectory.com, memorycafedirectory.com. And then we've been doing a few sing-along, sing-alone, we call them, with Barbara Lee Friedman. And I'll be pushing out the fourth one here probably towards the uh, mid to end of the week. And um, those are also on my YouTube channel. People have really enjoyed those. We had one couple where he said his wife with dementia had watched it like 29 times in two days and was very engaged. So music can be powerful, even, even if virtual. We also have our dementia chats, which are video interviews of a panelist living with dementia. They're the true experts. And they talk about what they would like to see the world do to better serve those with dementia and their families. We also have something called quick tips, which are just short little videos of tips. I wish someone would have told me when I stepped into this world of dementia with my own mother. So with no further ado, let me go ahead and introduce you to our guest today. Uh, the first is Nathan Gruber, and he is um, his interest in senior care became, uh, became evident back in high school and college while he was serving as a nurse aide. And from there, it just continued his advancement in the healthcare field, serving in many different positions like marketing director, nursing home and assisted living administrator, executive director of a continuing, uh, continuing care uh, retirement community, vice president of operations, and most recently as regional um, director of operations uh, prior to joining the family care space as the national director. So welcome, Nathan. How are you doing today? I'm doing wonderfully. Thank you for asking, and thank you so much for your time, Lori. And uh, I look forward to uh, just spending some time with all of your listeners, and, and thank you to all of your listeners as well. Wonderful. Let me introduce your sidekick here, and then we'll get our conversation going. So uh, Nathan McCoy's career spans over 30 years of helping organizations align process, tools, and people with their mission. And in the late uh, 2006, he embarked on a mission driven um, really deeply by a spiritual desire to help those who suffered from memory impairment and all they are connected um, to um, including staff um, in, this, in this journey. In 2007, he led teams that developed and built a state-of-the-art memory care community that used Family Care Space, which is a real-time sensor-based technology company focused on increasing transparency in senior care environments. And um, Jonathan's passion is about bringing this first-of-a-kind proven innovation to senior care settings as the founder and president of Family Care Space. So welcome. How are you doing today, Jonathan? 
I'm doing very well. Thank you so much, Lori, for what you're doing to uh, help others in this journey uh, learn uh, and, uh, you know, make the best as we, you know, we can from it. So really excited to, to be here and very grateful as well for, um, you know, the audience that you have, care and concern for those that suffer from dementias, Alzheimer's, um, and, yes, community. We need, we need community, and I thank you for your work in uh, stimulating that and, you know, fostering that. Thank you. Well, great. Before I get into my line of questioning, I always ask my guests, and I'm going to throw this first to you, Jonathan, um, and that is, have you been personally touched within your own family or circle of friends by dementia? The interesting question, um, I mean, the important question, but interesting for me is no one immediately, but what happened was when I was looking at assisted living community settings, I would uh, invariably see that lock-up part where the memory care was, and uh, I just could not help myself. I wanted to understand what was going on. I, I went in. I spent a lot of time, and it was, uh, I was just drawn, drawn to what can we do to help this situation be much better um, than, it, than it was. So that's my connection, and, and from that, my life's changed. Um, this is my mission, right, to do everything I can. So okay. that's the root of that. Wonderful. And um, Nathan, how about you? Have you been personally touched by dementia in your family or circle of friends? Yes, I have. Um, and, you know, going back, as you mentioned, Lori, uh, working as a nurse aide, I started volunteering in high school and I studied gerontology and geriatrics in college and uh, worked at a local assisted living community and worked on the Alzheimer's and dementia um, community, part of the community. And um, that experience uh, forever shaped me and changed me. And uh, in addition, um, aunts and uncles and uh, several family members, we've been uh, impacted and touched by the disease. And as I often say, uh, you know, it's uh, just such a very, very uh, difficult disease on so many and uh, so Lori thank you for for all of what you're doing and so yes uh, was touched uh, many a times and I continue to be uh, touched by uh, the disease and uh, that's what uh, in many ways led me to where I am now with family care space just knowing as Jonathan said all the ways we can we can help not only the the residents and those living and residing in care communities, but uh, those caring for them as well, and, and then their families who are so far away in many cases or just unable to visit them for multitude of reasons, especially now. Okay, great. Thank you. Um, Jonathan, can you tell me why you think transparency is important in senior care communities, especially in um in memory care, and then you add on COVID on top of it. I just think there's so many levels uh, to transparency, but I'd love to hear your thoughts on that. Oh, just a second. Or for some reason, we're not hearing you. Can you hear but me now? I can hear you there now. There we go. Okay. Yeah. Sorry. I, uh, I'm learning about this phone thing. <laughs> um, <laughs> So uh, it's, it's uh, really the heart of what drew me to uh, provide 
uh, family care space. Um, when I looked at the existing environment out there for not just memory care, but generally in care settings, it seemed to be, um, not seemed to be, very much is uh, for many. And uh, you, you, you bring your, you find the community, you know, you hope it's the right place. But once you let your mom, your dad, uh, your loved one uh, into that community, you're not as connected as you were, of course. They're not with you. They're not down the hallway. They're not in the same room with you for the bulk of the day now. And there's a tremendous sense for many of loss, of, of you know, couldn't I keep them here with me longer, all the emotions that go with that. So the um, communities that uh, are out there, by and large, and we're talking well over 90%, they don't have that engagement component, that emotional connected component and add that as you said uh, Lori the COVID quarantine element to it so you can't physically even go there to, to meet and to greet so transparency which was always the foundation of family care space it's what drew me it, it's what made me know that I do have something something of value I think I can add to help lift this situation to a better place so transparency means I can see what's going on in the community as uh, um, a husband of someone who has a wife, what have you, a loved one in the community through going through this portal. So I can see this is a part of the family care space um, technology. So I log in to a, uh, our own website, our own family website. I'll see the face plate of the building and I can just see where my mom or dad are or the loved one is uh, it's a dot on the map, and I can tell when they're moving about. Um, and that transparency um, gives me knowledge that they're in the building, they're in the dining area, you know, they're uh, in the courtyard, they're in their bedroom. Um, but I can see that. In addition, the staff know that I can see that too. So I can tell you that in the community that we built and we implemented Family Care Space in uh, July of 2013, we had a lot of time and how this has played out in very specific situations for family and staff. And one example of a, a resident that needed to have um, uh, some care delivered at 3 a.m. in the morning as part of the care plan. Well, the family would know if that occurred because of being able to see the system. The staff as well knew that they better deliver the care, not that they needed that, but, you know, we're all in this together, right? Community implies that there's connectivity with a lot of different players, right? It's not just care people with a resident, it's family with that care staff and that resident and the staff administration that comes into play. So the transparency of seeing where everyone is, um, being able to know things are being done, as well as to inquire about things that uh, should be done, that appear to be done, um, it really does help us deal with this very uh, challenging moment. As a family member, um, I'd like to know that my mom is, is active and doing things, or if she's not, why? Um, and it's a great means, this portal of the community, to get everybody on the same page. Mom may be, you know, needing to stay in her room for a while because of a cold or something she's dealing with. I can send a message out from the community to all the families so they can see that. Um, so there's a great understanding of what's going on. And then this is something that's really cool. So many pearls 
so many moments occur in the community that the family aren't aware of. They're not there. Staff have, as part of the family care space, they have a mobile app called the Care Provider app. And in that application on that mobile device, they can capture video, photos, et cetera, for those family members that, that agree that want that. And then um, the community will make sure it's appropriate. And then that new content is given to the family. So, for example, um, my mom, I hadn't seen her in a while. I'm living in San Diego. She's in a community here in, in, um, in uh, Portsmouth, New Hampshire. Um, she may have uh, uh, had a great day, um, was in the puzzle room. Staff took out their mobile device. My mom spoke to them about a story or some little vignette. I see that video, and it brings me to her. It brings me to that, that moment in time that she was sharing. And uh, other family members that are connected to the portal, we can all share things as well amongst ourselves. It's secure. There's no marketing in the back end by um, you know, somebody trying to sell you um, medical devices or what have you. It is truly secure and, um, and uh, private for the family. So that transparency, it does a couple of things. One, it brings peace of mind to the family. Number two, it really helps engagement with the resident, with the staff and the resident, meaning that when we as a family saw a video of my mom having a really nice moment, it's indicating that staff member, you know, John took that video and a picture of John. And it's 90% of the time, families go out of their way to say, thank you, John, for that. It meant so much to us. John gets brought into the family story as well. There's more connectivity between the resident and the, and the family member and um, the, uh, the staff and the, and the uh, family members as well. So transparency really just takes so many good, uh, it just brings out so many good moments um, and clarity. It's much easier to deal with difficult situations when you know that everybody is being transparent and trying to have the best outcome possible. Mistakes happen, definitely, but if it's uh, like a, you know, let's hide it, maybe they don't find out. If that approach is taken, unfortunately, I see it out there a lot, those tend to blow up. They tend to be, you know, the situation gets much more worse than it needed to be. So we want to avoid that. And, uh, and that's at the heart of what family care space is all about. Okay, great. Um, Nathan, is there anything that you want to add to, you know, the transparency of the platform, uh, Family Care Space? When I think of transparency, thank you, Lori, as, you know, a caregiver and, and just working in senior living for my career, I think about safety. I think about resident dignity. I think about resident privacy and family peace of mind, as Jonathan mentioned, and staff engagement and staff efficiency. Um, so much time is spent running around as a caregiver and, you know, with our preemptive alert capabilities and um, on a memory impairment, cognitive impairment community, you know, say there's a resident who has a tendency to wander into other residents' rooms um, throughout the day or the night. Uh, with our preemptive alerts, we can set that up. So should that resident go in a room and we could set it so it's two rooms or five rooms or every room. 
um, depending on that individual, because so much of this is, is just individualized. And our system is based on that individual. And um, so those alerts would then notify the caregiver if someone were to wander in another room or in an area, a part of the community. Um, and so the staff wouldn't be running around necessarily um, if they didn't need to, to help redirect somebody. Um, we could set it up so it's auto-handled if the resident is only in the other room for, say, less than five seconds or ten seconds. Um, so when I think about staff efficiency and um, as we know, you know, our healthcare heroes right now, um, and thank you so much if any of you happen to be listening or um, prior nurses, thank you, current nurses, and, and hopefully future nurses. Um, we are so grateful for all that you do, and this will help you. This will help our caregivers uh, deliver the care they need, stay engaged with family members, be efficient. We have asset trackers as well, so you can put, um, I hate to use the word tracker, uh, so we can monitor location of uh, diff different devices. So um, heaven forbid during COVID and in a nursing home, if they did have ventilators, you would know where everyone was. Um, and other medical devices, it could be shower chairs or walkers or wheelchairs. Um, so the staff isn't running around looking for those. And then, you know, that also, um, it always takes me back to peace of mind as a family member. If you have a loved one, in a care community, um, transparency is giving you a peace of mind. It means you have peace of mind. So, wonderful. Uh, a couple of things I guess I would like to add that I see in terms of the use of this is a, a change in, um, and I truly believe a change in leadership style. Um, when you are transparent, um, you have stepped up to the plate and said, "I will be accountable." And I will leverage our new tools, not only as training needs, but also to amplify the good that's being done and increasing those connections. And I think that those are extremely powerful things. And, you know, I, I look at the protests right now and, you know, what the technology has done to bring it, you know, really to a head into life to say we are not going back. This is where we're at. You know, the majority of the population agrees on this, and we can do this in a peaceful manner, you know, and it's, it's, it's breaking out the, you know, the, the um, peaceful protesters from the rioters. And I think in any business, you have the peaceful people that are trying to kind of work on the greater good, and you get those bad apples every now and again, and that's kind of unavoidable in society. But it helps weed that out. It addresses that and, and gives balance to the situation as well, which I think is important. And I like the idea of being able to monitor, you know, those kind of major equipment items um, to reduce time needed um, to locate those. And, um, and I don't know if you do this right now, but families might even be interested in that on some of their items because I know at times, they worry about theft, especially with smaller items that might be something like an iPad or something like that. And I don't know if that's workable at all, or staff sometimes are looking to be able to, you know, if they, if they don't all have an iPad, to be able to search for that so that they can do an engagement piece or, or whatever, too. So just food for thought on that. Um, I want to dive a little bit deeper into you know, layman terms, what the family care, care space platform 
you know, does and how, how it actually works. You've mentioned several different um, modes and things, but I'm wondering if you can give us some examples of how, you know, the engagement has, has played out, um, maybe feedback from family that you've gotten um, on that or the community has. Um, same if there's been any um, statistics in terms of that um, asset tracker, <laughs> you know, peace of mind and things like that. Jonathan, anything to, to add um, to those items at all? Well, well, this is Nathan Gruber. I can take, um, I can start this one and uh, okay. Jonathan, if you want to chime in. Um, so, you know, in layman, when I think of layman's terms, layman terms and what does family care space do? So we are a next generation nurse call or emergency call system and resident family and staff engagement app. Um, and what does that mean? We, you know, all senior living communities have to have nurse call emergency call systems. These call systems are, in the majority of the cases, very antiquated. They're pool cords attached to the wall. Um, many of these memory care communities have some of these antiquated systems as well that just do not, they do not work well for someone, especially with a cognitive impairment. And so we are a next generation, we replace that. And we take senior living to the, to the future. And I guess what I would, it's going to sound harsh, but you know what? I, I think sometimes you have to just tell it how it is. It's, you know, when I came on board to family care space, one of the factors, one of the thoughts for me was, you know, I have children, I, my grandmother, um, I, I've worked with seniors, I've worked with in my child's, you know, daycare, they have better technology than my grandmother ever had. And then these senior living communities ever have, heaven for, I mean, my goodness sake, pet care and these animal care places, and we need great care for our pets. Don't get me wrong. We need it. But they have better technology than the majority of our senior living communities. And when I say that, you know, the transparent, it's what we are at Family Care States. We are true, real-time location. So we know where people are, the, the staff, the residents, visitors, every visitor who comes in, Assigned a family care space name badge. We know where they are, who they visited. Um, perfect for contact tracing, which I know, and we are true contact tracing, which I know we'll get into a little bit later. So we offer next generation nurse call system with our family portal so that people can stay engaged with their loved ones. The staff can stay engaged with their loved ones. Um, at a care community, and this encompasses independent living, assisted living, memory care communities. I think we're just absolutely, I know we're perfect for memory care communities. So, yes, Lori, that would be um, just in layman terms how I would explain it, and that, again, we are real-time clinical-grade monitoring. So we know there are some phonies, there are some systems out there that, you know, it might be Bluetooth or Wi-Fi based or some of these other technologies, and they just don't work reliably. I, I lived that life before. And when I say live that life, my staff was running around, false alarms, 
thinking people were on one floor there and another floor. Um, those systems just don't work. We need true real-time clinical grade monitoring, and that's who we are at Family Care Space. Wonderful. Thank you. Jonathan, anything you want to add to that? Um, I mean, Nathan really hit it well. One of the things that I did back when I was looking at the, the, the technology, the sensor base, I spent about a year and a half. I looked at Bluetooth. I looked at uh, a pure radio frequency identification or RFID. I looked at uh, ultrasound, different methods to determine location. One of the things that was so clear is that the technology we picked, which is using infrared, the next generation, as Nathan said, uh, infrared, um, that gives us 100% room certainty. Somebody is in a room or not. The other technologies have some really significant flaws. May not be apparent initially, but my gosh, if you and, and I had the fortunate um, situation of owning and running a, a community, so I really got the operational realities, right? It's not just nice to have and whatever, but, you know, are people really going to use it? Does this help in the health delivery or does it get in the way? And one of the challenges, um, which I think should be highlighted, is Bluetooth, for example, those batteries need to be replaced on a monthly basis. Ours are three to five years. And think about that impact. Because if a battery dies with those Bluetooth, you've lost the, the ability to locate in a reasonable uh, area or proximity. Another part of that, too, is signal strength. If it's based on a radio frequency, there are so many different things that can impact that location based on uh, things that happen in the radio spectrum. Not to get too technical, but the point is, the bottom line, I knew I would want to know for sure my mom is in her room, that my staff are where they should be, and they know where they need to go. I wanted it to be 100% as best as we can get. And we're so grateful that the sensor technology we have truly does this. Um, and uh, just to, to finish this point, Nathan and I met with a group in Chicago. They had bought technology uh, that used Bluetooth and had to turn it off because their staff weren't spending their time monthly trying to figure out what batteries need to be replaced. So the system ended up not giving accurate signals. And it also gave false alarms, caused a lot of un, um, you know, bad, bad things, uh, and a lot of unnecessary interruptions to very busy care delivery services. So they turned it off. And, um, and when they were told about our system, um, the guy summed it up very well. He said, you actually do what you say you do. And, and we do. And we have that track record to, to talk to that. Um, I could go on, but I think I've made the point. Thank you. Okay. Sounds, sounds good. Um, <clears throat> one of the questions that I, I did want to ask, because you had, you had mentioned about the signal strength. How does, I mean, I'm very much a novice on infrared. And what does that use to be able to track? I mean, I know it's infrared, but I don't really know what that means. <laughs> what that means. Can, no. uh, sure. Uh, it's it a signal that the resident will have a pendant, and um, that's another point. Uh, it could be worn around the wrist, and it's a wearable, um, or it could be affixed to a belt or a shoe. There's a variety of, uh, and believe me, we, we've been through almost any, every scenario, although there's always a new one that pops up. 
I, again, you know, we've been doing this in memory care since uh, July of 2013. Um, but that device, what it does is it, it picks up the infrared signal, and that signal is different no matter, in every room. So it'll know, for example, if uh, resident uh, John is, and he, he or she, uh, he's got his pendant, um, when he goes into uh, a room, there is a uh, what's called a monitor. That's the name of the sensor uh, type for, for covering a room, um, and it has a unique um, identification in its uh, infrared signal. So that infrared signal is going to hit uh, John's pendant, and it, it's uh, second generation, meaning it could, uh, and it's health, there's no health issues with infrared. It's been uh, proven time and time again to be very safe. It's used in hospitals and acute settings quite a bit. Um, and, uh, and that can go through a sweater, a blanket. Uh, if it's under a bed, uh, the signal's bounce, so it could pick it up. Um, and so that's how we know where John is. John is in that room. When John moves out of that room to go to the hallway, there's an infrared signal that has its unique ID in the hallway that now picks up his pendant and uh, says, oh, that's John, and this monitor for the hallway is what's picking up John's signal. So that's how you can see that seamless movement in a, in a building from not only, not only the resident, but, of course, the staff and key assets. By the way, I want to thank you. A great idea for families. Um, the asset tag uh, can be put on anything um, and uh, very, very, uh, um, very easy, very flexible in terms of how you can apply it. Um, and that could be put on sweaters, could be put on iPods. Um, we have it on iPods. Um, you know, various devices. I was um, actually talking with a family. Their mother was, uh, they had a, um, a beautiful sweater um, that had pearls in it, real pearls. And it was a very, very special thing. And she loved wearing it now uh, on certain occasions. And um, they had a little tag on that. So they knew where that sweater was. Um, so that's, uh, does that help understand a bit better? Yeah, uh, now that you mentioned clothes, are they washable <laughs> or do they have to be taken off and tucked in a pocket uh, or something? Uh, right, yeah, you, you can put them in the laundry, but uh, it's not advisable. They have uh, a waterproof encasing, but uh, just to be on the safe side, we actually have a sensor uh, outside of the laundry area so that if any clothing that's about to be washed goes into the laundry or into the washer, a sensor will go off, a beeping will go off, indicating that there's a, uh, an acid tag in the clothing. So um, they just remove it and then put it back on when the clothing is, is clean. So um, okay. you can go in the shower. Yeah. Okay, great. Um, what about uh, families in terms of, of their comments with this? Um, have you heard directly, or, or does it just all go through the communities that you're working with at this point? I'm going to throw that one to, to Jonathan. I'm sorry, to, uh, to Nathan. Yeah. We've given you a bit of a, ch uh, yes. a name challenge. <laughs> <laughs> yes, indeed. Um, we, the family response has been very, very favorable. Um, when we talk to people about the family portal um, here just recently, actually, I was uh, talking to a large group of uh, individuals who have loved ones in and around care communities. And the overwhelming response was 
oh my gosh, would we love to have the family portal right now? They, the stories I was hearing, you know, surrounded around the quarantine, COVID-19, and not being able to see loved ones, and uh, some of these things um, that's just made it even more challenging. And uh, just talking about the engagement component with the staff and knowing where their loved ones, you know, are in and around a, a memory care community, and just especially knowing that they're safe. When I think of our, you know, we can set up additional perimeters around a memory care community and for those who have spent any time working in memory care, you, you've heard the terminology elopement or exit seeking, you know, behavior where uh, some residents might just have a tendency to, to try to leave the community for whatever reason. And um, there are just many additional layers where um, alerts and notifications and that could go to multiple people. And, um, and not only when they would leave the community, we could have the, you know, the parking lots, um just for safety uh and that's i think peace of mind that goes back to peace of mind for um loved ones and when you're not able to be there with your mother or father day or night uh knowing that if something were to happen or change you could even get that little alert or notification uh to, to just call up and see how everything's going and you know so many other times those things just happen and people find out about them after the fact um, and oftentimes you know depending on the notification requirements in that particular state uh, those notifications may happen you know hours after and uh, that, that can be tough then to uh, how do you then have the opportunity to talk to your loved one or console them or be there for them so uh, yeah this uh, the examples are endless, and uh, they're continuing to grow. Um, as Jonathan and I say, Lori and everyone listening, we we have the families, and they seem to very much be bought in. I think one of our one of the challenges we're working to overcome is just convincing the owners. The uh, and I know the owners and the senior living. That, management companies, they have very important decisions to make every single day, and they have very important things going on right now um, and every day. Um, but I just, I hope uh, that uh, they see sooner than later that uh, this is just something that can't wait. Um, it's, it's very much a necessity in the industry, and, um, and COVID-19 has certainly brought this to light to, to many people who I think we're wondering, um, you know, just if they wanted to make these type of changes and, and maybe spend the, a little bit extra money to make some of these changes or just keep on doing things the way they've been doing because it's worked uh, good so far. So I, I'm excited to see uh, things changing and to be a part of that. Mm -hmm. Okay. Sounds good. Um, Nathan, anything that you want to add to that? Well, I'm think, sorry, Jonathan. Um, I'm getting you all mixed up. You know here. what? <laughs> we're, no, we're making this tough on you, Nathan and Jonathan. You, know? <laughs> you, can, you can call me uh, call me anything you would like. I'm I'll answer. Uh, so I'm pretty flexible. come from a large family, so just don't call me late for supper, right? <laughs> I think that's the line. Uh, 
<laughs> but uh, anyway, uh, yeah, Nathan really hit on it. There's there's um, a real importance to, for transparency. I, I have to share this story. I was debating whether I should, but I really do think it needs to be said uh, in terms of the state of affairs for, for many of these owners. Um, you know, I was presenting family care space to a potential operator for my community. And uh, I said, well, this community has family care space. It's important you understand what it is, and I'd like your input. And they own other communities, and this is a potential one that they were going to operate in. And they were, uh, they were looking at it. So I was probably two slides in to the, you know, what family care space is, the transparency, letting families know, you know, where their loved one is, staff knowing where everyone else is, where key assets are, where their residents are, the custom alerting, all that. Um, well, the, the CEO slammed his, um, his fist, his, his hand on the table and said, stop. I don't want to hear any more. Why do I want, I, I can't make this up. Why do I want to know when my staff are not doing what they should be doing? Why do I want families to know when their loved one isn't being taken care of like they should, Right. Mm-hmm. And he said, I don't want any, and then he, he concluded, he said, I don't want anything like that near any of my communities. So, Lori, that's the coal face that we're up against when it comes to, you know, people that have an ownership that is, is built around the, you know, let's make, let's do what we can do to, you know, keep family at bay as much as possible. Um, now, they're not all like that. Thank God, not all operators or owners are like that. But there is, unfortunately, enough out there. Now, the balancing act is real, right? It's how do we deliver the services for the residents for, you know, certainly Alzheimer's, very demanding, and it changes, right? Um, But also provide a return for the investment in building these communities and staffing these buildings. And I would say that um, in some situations, uh, people are living through a very unbalanced response to that equation, if you will, or that challenge. And transparency may seem, this may seem so counterintuitive, uh, but I've seen it play out time and time again. Transparency brings, and you've said this earlier, Lori, as well, and I'm sure your listeners can relate, transparency, transparency brings greater trust. Transparency brings um, more perseverance to endure challenges amongst the, if you will, community that are facing whatever. Transparency brings humility, right? I didn't get this right, and I'm willing to say that. And will it, you know, let's move on, let's correct. Um, that's a, a different culture than, unfortunately, um, communities, some of the communities that are out there. They won't like family care space. And to be quite frank, it's not going to be a place that we would find um, uh, an attractive client for us. So we're very sensitive to the balance of, you know, giving care, providing that transparency, and also providing a more efficient, a more effective, a more financially sound community. And, And one of the ways that we determine how we can help, you know, on both sides of this equation, if you will, on the family care side, also on the, you know, the ownership return on investment side. 
we ask a simple question. How much time currently do your staff spend looking for other staff members, looking for other residents or patients, looking for key assets necessary for their job, or responding to bogus or, or uh, you know, uh, alerts that um, are, are not, not real or not necessary. How much time in the run of the day? We asked this, Nathan and I and other team members at Family Care Space asked this question quite a bit. So we have a pretty good sense of where people are uh, on that. And the answer typically range is between 10 to over 20% in the run of a day, directly related to how big a building is and typically how short staff they may be. Um, but can, can you imagine if you take a building with a, let's say it's a $300,000 a month salary uh, payroll, and they spend 20% looking for other people, you know, non-care delivered time, they're looking for other assets. Um, and if that could be eliminated to zero, and our Care Provider, Act, uh, Care Provider mobile app does that, they can, at the quick look at their screen, see where every uh, resident is, every staff member is, every key asset is. It's right there in front of them. And uh, so you eliminate, virtually eliminate, that um, unproductive time. That's a big savings. Now, we were presenting this to a group, um, Nathan and I, and the COO quickly looked down and he saw potential savings. He said, wow, if you could, if you could deliver a 20 or a 10% savings on my staff and make them more efficient so we could care for more people, you know, I would do this in a heartbeat. Now, we, we do that. We've done that. So there's still this, uh, to some, this, you know, I don't know, you know, show me first or I want to, uh, I want to uh, go, I want to see somebody else first before I get in. We're, we're really uh, doing what we can to help show people this is the reality of it. Um, and maybe it's not, you know, 20% savings, maybe it's 10. But if you take 10% savings on $300,000 a month payroll, that's a $30,000 a month savings or $30,000 of care delivery that you didn't have that you now have uh, the ability to provide. So uh, very important, right? There's many elements to make this work. And uh, transparency is at the heart of it. Yeah, I, I totally agree with that, especially now with the increased pandemic costs and uh, that they're going through and not getting uh, support in terms of coverage with uh, PPE and staffing ratios. And just, you know, I had heard that their, their costs triple if they just have one person with, uh, with COVID, you know, in their communities. And so they've got to look at at ways to not only save money but be efficient and then increase at least maintain or increase engagement is is absolutely absolutely critical these days um i wanted to also talk about the the portal for for the memory care community and you know is that is that set up different from let's say, in assisted living or, and then also some listeners are probably wondering, can I get something like this in my own home or is this just organizational-based, community-based um, system? And um, Jonathan, do you want to take that one? How about Nathan this time? <laughs> okay. Okay. 
perfect. I, I can go so, back to it too. Yeah. Yes. So, thank you, Lori. And for family, the memory care community, the one of the differences, um, the pendants, they can or, or typically do not have a push button on them on our memory care community. So. Um, and say the independent living environment, there's going to be a, a button that you can press and that will notify the staff. Um, we can still have that on a memory care community. I think, again, this is individualized, um, but typically or with maybe mid or later stage, um, you know, Alzheimer's, various types of advanced types of dementia, uh, we will typically not have the push button on there. Um, but we still know um, exactly exact location and such. Um, and again, the wearable could be a necklace, a wristwatch, um, in belts and purses and um, shoes and all sorts of things. So, um, and yeah, so that would be one of the differences um, from memory care, just with the pendant itself or the wearable. And in terms of, um, for those listening and for the individual consumers, we have rolled this out just this year to um, we have family care space, which is our for our senior living communities. And then we have family home care space and family home care space. We're um, working with various home care companies and organizations where, um, you know, we can give them in different packages, you know, 20s, 40s, 50, 100, and they can, have uh, these base packs that they can put in their clients' homes, and then they will know when their staff, their home caregivers are kind of coming and going. The family member is still a family portal uh, for loved ones. In terms of rolling this out to the individual consumer and through routes such as, you know, say an Amazon or e-commerce, uh, we are getting very, very close. Uh, Jonathan, would you have anything to add and, and when I say very close Lori we we just haven't pushed forward with that piece of it yet but we are ready to do that um, we just haven't finalized that at this point Jonathan? so yeah yeah just to add to that uh, I'm a great question Lori um, I think uh, if you're a family member and you want to sign up for the portal and you want to have these sensors in your home. So let's say you're looking after your mom and, you know, but nobody's living right there with her. So you, you get a sense of what's going on 24 seven. And anytime things fall outside of a normal pattern, then alert would go off to the caregiver, family member. So, Hey, something's going on with mom. These sensors, I'll give you an example. Uh, they it's basically like a street light green, meaning she's within a pattern of normal behavior, uh, red. And let's say we take the sensor in the bat in the bathroom area. Um, uh, yellow is getting close to being out of pattern. Red meaning she's definitely out of pattern. An example would be, for example, if she is going to the bathroom quite a bit more frequent than normal, then that could be the potential of a UTI being developed. So that this early warning system, if you will, is, is extremely effective in, in um, reducing the occurrence of hospital stays or complications uh, if not treated uh, early on. Um, and the families, um, the way it works is, the, Nathan mentioned about these packs, the, there are packages of sensors for the home. So um, a family would spend um, $649, and there's five sensors 
Uh, two are motion sensors. They go around the bed, the toilet area. Uh, one would typically go on a fridge for food intake, one at the door. And then there's a pendant, uh, emergency call button pendant uh, that uh, the individual will wear. And this data is streamed. So basically the family would have a secure website and they would get any alerts if there's anything new happening as well for the care agency involved. So um, the care agency on the portal side, uh, you'll know when they visit. Um, as a family member, I'll have an email alert or, you know, the care staff is there uh, at a certain time. They can take photo picture, same as they do in a community. Families would be able to see that, share that, um, just like we talked in the, in the community setting. So currently, as Nathan said, we have this set up for care agencies to, to sign on. Um, we're probably a couple of months away. We're certainly, any families interested, by all means, get in touch with us. We'd be more than happy to yeah. provide them the information. Um, I do want to mention one quick thing about the pandemic, which is really important. Um, we talked about contact tracing. Our system gives, uh, a custom, provides customized alerts. So if anybody is within a four-foot, six-foot, whatever the CDC guidelines are, we put that into our alerting system so we avoid the issue of having to quarantine staff because, as you said earlier, Lori, and if staff can relate to here listening, that that 14 days off the floor when, you know, staffing is so precious right now is really a problem. Plus, if they're in a Bluetooth configuration, that area around where that infected person could be as much as 50 feet. And that could be a huge amount of people that the system doesn't know for sure if they're affected or not unless they get quarantined. So real, real, real challenge there. Our contact tracing is very fine-tuned and, uh, quite frankly, is designed specifically for senior care. Uh, the second element of that is infectious control protocols. We know where housekeeping staff are. They wear a pendant as well and where they move about. And we know that certain uh, areas in the uh, community need to be infected ever so often, and we know how much time it typically takes to do that. If it isn't being done, alerts are set up so that staff will know where to go, you know, to re reapply the uh, disinfectant, that kind of thing. So very important adherence to these infectious control protocols. And the third thing is what we've talked about already, this family portal. Great way to stay engaged and get content regarding how mom is doing while in the community and quarantined through the portal, the updates, et cetera. Um, so I just wanted to get that covered. Um, but in terms of the family getting it for their home, by all means, you know, we'd love to talk with them about that. Um, we could work with their care agency or them directly, but right now we're really designed to um, work with care agencies. We will have a, uh, an, an e-call or a, sorry, a, an online store where you can uh, buy these sensors and get yourself set up. It's very easy to set this stuff up. And we take it all, uh, once it's set up, plugged in, and the, uh, the Wi-Fi is, uh, we're able to hook up to the Wi-Fi or cell. Um, then you get your updates. You have your special website that you can go to. Um, you know, it's really designed to be very simple, straightforward for the family. Um, so we're excited about what that may mean and the transparency, again, that comes to that scenario. Okay, wonderful. And then, um, Nathan, do you want to tell us uh, what you'd like to give out for contact information since you're the National Director of Sales? Certainly. Thank you, Lori. My cell phone number I will give first 
is 513-401-5498. Again, that's 513-401-5498. My email address is Nathan, N-A-T-H-A-N, Gruber, G-R-U, B as in boy, E-R, at family care space, all one word, familycarespace.com. Wonderful. I really appreciate that, Lori. And thank you again for your time and uh, just giving us this time today to share our story and uh, for all that you do um, to share so many great things for um, a disease that uh, we need to certainly shed more light on and and uh, really appreciate that. And also, just want to make mention that, uh, you know, I'm I'm not afraid to share my faith here, but I, I'm just prayerful for peace and, uh, you know, true peace and true equality and uh, just for everything to uh, work out in our world. So thank you, Lord. Wonder- wonderful. Thank you. And I, I second that. I, I hear that they're going to have moments of silence all over um, for some of the music channels and stuff coordinating for um, trying to bring peace to the world and, and honoring um, George Floyd as well. So thank you for, for mentioning that. I also um, wanted to ask Jonathan if you had anything you wanted to put in there. I'm assuming that you want people to also know the website, which is familycarespace.com, that they can go to as well. But, Jonathan, any last words from you? Oh, thank you, Lori. Uh, yes, a big thank you for all you do. I'm so appreciative for the beautiful people that have uh, been part of this uh, journey for me with respect to serving memory care and Alzheimer's. Nathan's been a real gift. He is a real gift, and so many of our team are. Um, I'm really grateful that, uh, you know, we're we're helping. I feel like we're very much helping. Many families have told me um, we have a beautiful video of a family sharing what the family portal meant to them a son in Florida, children in different parts of the U.S., and their dad here in Portsmouth, all being able to share those special moments, those pearls um, that uh, they could with their dad before he uh, he passed. So I'm just so grateful that we can be part of, of this journey, and um, and it's such a special gift, isn't it, to, to bring some light where it seems very, very difficult. So um, anything we can do to help families, communities. That's what we're all about. So I appreciate this time. Well, thank you. Thank you for being with us. And in wrapping up, I just want to thank our audience once that you will go ahead and like, click and share this episode and help spread the word of the family um, care space. And until next time, stay peaceful, stay healthy. Love you. Bye now. Hi, everyone. This is Meredith from the Senior Fitness with Meredith podcast, where I discuss all things for seniors from fitness, your health and wellness journeys, how to be all over strong and beyond. I also have my mini podcast called Motivation with Meredith. It's a great, quick, motivational pick me up for your days. 
Join me, listen now, search for Senior Fitness with Meredith on your favorite podcast platform. <laughs>